Chapter Seven of Chemical Phenomena in Life by Frederick Chopik. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Velocity of reactions in living cells. Chemical reactions are very frequently practically completed at the same moment at which they begin. It is quite impossible to measure the time which elapses from the moment when the reacting substances are brought in contact up to the point when the end of the reaction is reached. When solutions of nitrate of silver and of sodium chloride are mixed, the two solutions immediately form the well-known white flaky precipitate, and provided that there is enough nitrate of silver present, all the chlorine is deposited in the form of insoluble silver salt. Most reactions used in analytic chemistry are reactions of enormously great velocity. We comprehend, therefore, why chemists did not turn their attention to the laws of reaction velocity till in the last decades, when organic synthesis continually taught that there are many chemical reactions which require a considerable length of time before being ended. Most reactions in inorganic chemistry take place between electrolytes, substances which are good conductors of electric currents. Many reasons are brought forward in favor of a view which Faraday had first expressed to explain the conducting of electric currents. The molecules of electrolytes are split, to a greater or less extent, into smaller particles which are called ions. These ions carry the electricity from one pole to the other. They may be considered, as physicists believe, to be compounded of atoms and a certain quantity of electricity. The number of molecules split into ions depends upon the degree of dilution and the temperature. Strong acids and alkalis are practically entirely split up into ions when they are diluted down to zero point zero zero one of one gram molecule in one liter of water. The reactions which such substances undergo may be considered as reactions between ions. We generally call them ionic reactions. We shall bear in mind that ionic reactions are carried out with infinitely great velocity. The quantity of ions contained in a solution can be calculated by determining its power of conducting electric currents. The less resistance is offered, the more ions are present. The sap of living tissues always contains different ions. Therefore, ionic reactions must always take place in living protoplasm. Ionic reactions in living cells did not fail to attract much attention amongst biologists. We possess a series of excellent methods for determining the concentration of ions contained in living cells. Some of them permit us to work with extremely small quantities of material. Especially useful are the cryoscopic methods which allow us to determine the number of ions in the volume unit from the depression of the freezing point in comparison with that of pure water. The chief source of ions for plants is the moisture of the soil taken up by the roots. It contains, in a very diluted state, salts of sodium, potassium, lime, magnesium, iron, also hydrochloric, sulfuric, and phosphoric acid. Practically, only ions of these substances pass into the living plant cells. Some of these ions must disappear in reactions very quickly. Thus, in living cells, we cannot find potassium in the well-known reactions with platinum chloride. Traces of potassium salts immediately furnish the yellow deposit of platinum-potassium chloride, but this result cannot possibly be obtained in living cells. When we burn the tissue to ashes and try the reaction again, success is certain. We may draw the conclusion that potassium salts are probably transformed in living cells into non-ionic compounds of potassium. Very important is the formation of complex ions in metabolism. Iron salts, for example, are certainly not present in living protoplasm but the presence of iron is always easily shown in plant ash. We can see what kind of transformation may be taking place from the reaction of copper sulfate in the presence of organic compounds. 
sulphate of copper is immediately precipitated by potassium hydroxide as a light blue gelatinous deposit of hydroxide of copper when we add sugar solution or solution of sodium tartrate this deposit is dissolved into a dark blue liquid this liquid no longer shows the characteristics of solutions which contain simple ionic copper therefore copper ions cannot be present those present are compound ions containing both copper and the organic substance similar processes are as we know common in living cells but living cells can even form new ions from non-ionic substances when oxalic acid is formed from sugar or protein matter new ions of this strong acid come into existence many other cases of the production of ions from non-electrolytes in living cells could be mentioned when reactions between ions take place in protoplasm they are not carried out in a watery liquid medium but in a colloidal medium it is a question however whether the reaction velocity is the same as in water experimental work of the last years does not leave any doubt that a colloidal medium diminishes the velocity of chemical reactions as well as the diffusion of dissolved substances thus it is certain that colloids of firmer consistence such as solid gels must retard the course of chemical reactions even of ions in spite of this ionic reactions are completed in an immeasurably short time and practically the influence of the viscous colloidal medium in protoplasm is of very little importance for ionic reactions in living cells the most important substances among the carbon compounds of living matter are not electrolytes neither sugar fatty bodies carbohydrates or protein bodies conduct the electric current but to a very slight extent all these substances then which form the greater mass of living protoplasm are non-electrolytes and in watery solution will only form a very small quantity of ions or no ions at all most of the chemical reactions which take place in assimilation digestion and excretion are connected with such non-electrolyte organic compounds it is therefore of interest to learn how great the velocity of such reactions is in comparison with ionic reactions it is very easily shown that reactions between molecular solutions are carried out comparatively slowly especially when the temperature does not exceed twenty degrees so it is when starch is transformed into sugar or protein into amino acids that there is no difficulty in measuring the velocity of chemical reactions such experimental work is very important to obtain an exact theory of the different chemical processes in living protoplasm we define as reaction velocity the quantity of the substance transformed measured in gram molecules per liter which disappears in the unit of time namely in one minute if there is only one substance transformed at the same time in the mixture of reacting substances and if therefore the concentration of only this substance varies whilst the other substances remain unchanged the mathematical law of the process is quite simply found the velocity of such a reaction must directly depend throughout the reaction on the acting quantity of the substance since this acting quantity of the substance is constantly decreasing we see that the velocity of the reaction cannot remain the same it must diminish in a certain ratio suppose twenty parts out of one hundred are transformed in the first minute then there remain in the second minute only eighty parts one hundred minus one hundred times zero point two equals eighty we find for the process in the third minute the same eighty minus eighty times zero point two equals sixty four in the fourth minute sixty four minus sixty four times zero point two equals fifty one point two etc 
When we introduce for 100, which is the concentration at the beginning of the reaction, the general symbol C0, and for 80, 64, 51.2, etc., subsequently C1, C2, C3, to CT, and for the constant factor 0.2, the symbol K, the equations are C0 minus C0 times K equals C1, or C0 times parentheses 1 minus K and parentheses equals C1. Further, C0 times parentheses 1 minus K and parentheses minus C0 times K times parentheses 1 minus K and parentheses equals C2, or C0 times parentheses 1 minus K and parentheses squared equals C2. Further, C0 times parentheses 1 minus K and parentheses cubed equals C3. Finally, C0 times parentheses 1 minus K to the T power equals CT. If instead of 1 we take the time unit equal to 1 over N, we have to take K N times smaller, and instead of T to write N times T. The equation will now be C0 times parentheses 1 minus K divided by N and parentheses to the nt power equals cnt. If we introduce for k over n the value 1 over d, we have for n equal kd. The equation then becomes c0 times parentheses 1 minus 1 over d and parentheses to the dkt power equals cnt. The expression parentheses 1 minus 1 over d and parentheses to the d power can be developed according to the binomial theorem into E, the basis of natural logarithms. The equation can then be formed as follows. C0 times e to the kt equals cnt. Or, if we take logarithms, ln c0 minus ln ct equals kt. By introducing Briggs logarithms, we have k1 equals 0.4343k equals 1 over t times parentheses log c0 minus log ct, and parentheses. This expression contains values which may be determined by experiment. If we therefore find that the quotient of the difference of the logarithms in the beginning and at the end of the time of observation, measuring the time in minutes, is constant, we may be certain that only the concentration of one substance was changed. Such reactions are called reactions of the first order, or monomolecular reactions. Most of the reactions which take place in living cells seem to belong to this order. The determination of the substance still remaining can be made in different ways. Very often, polarimetric control of the liquid in which the reaction takes place allows a very exact conclusion on the rate at which the substance disappears. The refraction of light, or even a change in color, can be used as a reagent of the chemical process. In other cases, the law of the reaction is a different one. We find that the reaction velocity is not directly proportional to the quantity of the reacting substance, but proportional to the square of this quantity. In all such cases, two substances are simultaneously changed in their concentration. Such a process takes place 
in the decomposition of esters, the compounds of organic acids and alcohols, under the influence of an alkali. There, the concentration of the compound is continuously diminishing, but, on the other hand, the concentration of the alkali, which is used up in the formation of the alkali salt of the organic acid, also decreases. So it is, for instance, in the reaction between sodium hydroxide and ethyl acetate. CH3C2H5OOC plus NaOH equals NaOOCCH3 plus C2H5OH. Such reactions are called bimolecular reactions, or reactions of the second order. Many reactions in living cells follow the law of these reactions. Reactions of a higher order are not as yet known from living cells. We may at least be certain that the great majority of all reactions in living matter are not connected with the chemical change of more than two different substances. In molecular reactions we generally meet with the peculiarity that the reaction is not quite completed when the reaction velocity has reached the value of zero. A certain quantity of the original substance always remains and never disappears. Molecular reactions are consequently incomplete. Thus, a small quantity of cane sugar remains unchanged when cane sugar is split by means of diluted hydrochloric acid, and in the same way, some quantity of the unsplit ester remains when we split it by means of acid into alcohol and acid. This remarkable phenomenon becomes quite clear if we suppose that the two reactions always take place in opposite directions. Simultaneously with the splitting up begins the synthetical reaction, and synthesis increases in proportion as the splitting of the compound advances. The velocity of the splitting process decreases at the same rate as the velocity of the recomposing process increases. At a certain time, both processes have the same velocity. No further change takes place in the chemical system, provided that nothing is taken away nor added. The characteristic stage of equilibrium of the reaction has been reached. We express this rule by writing the chemical equation connected by a double arrow instead of the sign of equation. C2H5OH plus CH3COOH is in equilibrium with C2H5OOCCH3 plus H2O, or ethyl alcohol plus acetic acid in equilibrium with ethyl acetate plus water, or C6H12O6 plus C6H12O6, glucose plus fructose, is in equilibrium with C12H22O11, saccharose, plus H2O, water. This theory involves the condition that all these reactions may be reversed under certain circumstances. It only depends upon the external conditions in which direction the situation of the stage of equilibrium is displaced, either in the direction of composition or in the direction of decomposition. We may draw the further conclusion that many chemical processes in living cells may obey this kind of law. Under certain circumstances, cells may contain more grape sugar and fructose under other circumstances, more cane sugar. Only chemical or physical agents influence this relation, and we need no longer take refuge in mysterious vital forces when we want to explain these facts. Just such chemical reaction complexes occur most frequently in living cells. 
the digestion and dissolution of organic matter in the cell on the one hand and the storage of organic matter on the other must be ruled by analogous laws when there is a scarcity of food the digestion of starch or protein must yet be continued until the concentration of the disintegration products has reached a decisive point but has the concentration risen above a certain point the process of recomposition becomes predominant with the result that storage of starch or protein takes place such regularity can only exist as long as no reaction products are taken away or added when we remove the products of dissimilation that is the sugar produced in the decomposition of starch the splitting process continues and does not cease until the whole stock of starch has disappeared and has been transformed into sugar working upon this principle we can deprive seeds entirely of starch even the isolated endosperm when the embryo has been removed the seeds are fastened each upon a small cylinder made of plaster of paris which is placed in a dish filled with water the principle of such an experiment is quite the same as that which is followed in the emptying of leaves of starch during the night in the process of respiration and growth at night the growing plant consumes considerable quantities of sugar at the end of a warm summer day leaves are full of starch and allow a constant stream of sugar solution to be directed to the places where sugar is consumed by this process the decomposition of starch grains is continually assisted since all the sugar which has been formed from starch is immediately removed the contrary effect namely that further formation of compounds is hindered when the storage of this compound has reached a certain stage is also a frequent phenomenon in living organisms when leaves are cut off from the branch and are exposed to sunlight under favorable conditions of life for a certain time they continue their assimilation of carbon dioxide and starch is formed to a considerable extent even more starch is stored in such leaves than in normal leaves which have not been separated from the plant but after a time carbon dioxide assimilation diminishes and ceases entirely the concentration of sugar in the leaf cells becomes too great and the assimilation process is hindered by the reaction products the mechanism accelerating and ceasing reactions in living cells is very often simply regulated by the general laws of reaction velocity and we need not assume any special power of living protoplasm the next chapter will touch on one of the most important influences on the reaction velocity and will show that living cells possess most effective means to accelerate reactions and to cause surprising chemical results. End of chapter 7